Welcome to episode 134 of Behind the Mission, a show that sparks conversations with Sycamore trusted partners and educational experts. My name is Dwayne France, and each week I'll be having conversations with podcast guests that will equip you with tools and resources to effectively engage with and support military service members, veterans, and their families. You can find the show on all the podcast players or by going to sycamore.org forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us in Behind the Mission. Our work and mission are supported by generous partnerships and sponsors who also believe that education changes lives. Partner this week is PsychArmor, the premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners as well as custom training options for organizations. On today's episode, I'm featuring a conversation about suicide prevention with representatives of The Firewatch, a statewide suicide prevention program in Florida that provides training to community members about how to identify and support service members and veterans who may be at risk for suicide. Joining me are Nick Howland, a Navy veteran and CEO of The Firewatch, and Ryan Hazinski, a suicide loss survivor and citizen watchstander with The Firewatch program. You can find out more about Nick and Ryan by checking out their bio on our show notes. Let's get into my conversation with them and come back afterwards to talk about some of the key points. Gentlemen, glad to have you on the show. Nick, great to have you back to talk about what Firewatch has been up to. And Ryan, glad to be able to bring you on to talk about how you're involved. Nick, I'd like to start off with a little bit about what Firewatch is doing and what you have going on these days. Yeah, Dwayne, first, great to talk to you again. And thanks for having us back on. The Firewatch is Florida's fight to end veteran suicide. We're trying to end veteran suicide by preventing veteran suicide. We have a number of programs around veteran suicide prevention, but our cornerstone one is called the Watchstander Program. That program trains community members to recognize the warning signs of veterans in crisis, ask them if they're in need of help and to get them to the help they need. When we talked last, Dwayne, I think it was May of 2021, we had 1,100 members of the community who had taken the training. As of today, we have over 4,600, wow. and yeah. we will easily get our goal of 5,000 by the end of calendar year 2023. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I know that even as we had talked back then, um, you were just really standing this up, and this was a new program. Now, Ryan, you've participated in the Watchstander training that Nick is talking about. I'm curious to hear about how you got involved and how the training has changed your perspective on military and veteran suicide. Yeah, actually, it was quite serendipitously, believe it or not, after I lost my own friend and neighbor, Mike Chisler, who was a veteran, I was just searching for a place that I could reach out to because I wanted to raise funds, do a fundraiser in Mike's name. And I came across the Firewatch. I wrote an email and within a matter of probably minutes, honestly, I got an email back from the Firewatch. I started communicating with Nick and the rest of the team. Uh, I, I got to talk to Brianne Brown, who is the regional representative for all of Central Florida. And that's when I got connected. And it just led to this kind of amazing relationship between both of us. I, I wanted to become a watchstander. I have many uh, military in my family, both current and in the past. And even though I didn't serve myself, I just knew that they had this program for citizen watchstanders, and I knew it was just a sign to me to get involved. It's tragic, of course, and sorry to hear about your loss, but a lot of times people say, what could I have done or what more can I do after experiencing a loss like that? It can be really challenging to experience the death of a close friend, 
to suicide like your neighbor. And, and then you're like, what do I do now so this doesn't happen again? Yeah, and this is, I think, exactly where the Watchstander program comes in. And if anybody who ever hears this podcast should really reach out to Nick and the Firewatch because it's a great way to get involved and do something to give back to the veterans who so selflessly give to us throughout their time in the service. Here in Hillsborough, Pinellas County, where Brienne works out of, we have, I believe, and Nick can probably correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the highest rate in the entire state. And so this is a really critical area for us to get more people involved. I've said to Brienne and Nick in the past, if you need me to show up and speak about the program, tell people about how they can learn just the basics, like save, which is a really easy way to remember just things, the signs to look for and everything else you need to do to help a veteran, because it really is about prevention. It's not so much that intervention. You're trying to find that place where you're getting ahead of the curve and reaching out to veterans who maybe you're struggling or they just might need resources. And that's really where we come in and, and can help them find those resources. Nick, one of the things I really appreciate is a lot of times, and, and we're seeing this maybe not so much, but it's like by veterans for veterans, but really you're focusing, this isn't just a, and Ryan just said, he wasn't a service member himself. You're really looking for this to be a community-based initiative. Absolutely. Veterans make up 10% of the U.S. population, about 10% of the Florida population. So our program engages not only that 10%, because veterans can, of course, take our program as well, but engages the other 90%, the community members, to be able to recognize those warning signs where veterans live, work, and play. Because as you know, Dwayne, since you've been out, you're not only interacting with veterans when you're at work, when you're at church, when you're at the gym, you see folks all the time. And if you're having trouble, if there's a community support network of people who've been trained using SAVE to recognize the warning signs and get people to the help they need, we're basically engaging the other 90% to help us end veteran suicide. That's the point of the Washington program. And Ryan just enunciated it so well. I'm interested, Ryan, this idea of you, you have military family, but you weren't in the service yourself. I'm curious for you, not only are you learning about suicide and suicide intervention, but you're also learning about the military and veteran population. There's a lot of different learning going on here. Oh, yes. Even just like the way that you, because the one key difference between, say, the citizen watchstander versus a veteran who is becoming a watchstander is there's an extra video that I watch in my training materials. That really gets you to ask questions of a veteran in a way that is going to solicit information. It, it's, you might be asking about what branch does the person serve in? What was their particular assignment that they did? In, in the video, it talks about how we oftentimes, for many citizens, for instance, who are not aware of what the military does, they just think of the typical soldier who's out on the battlefield. And it's not really about that. There's so many other ways that people serve, each of which can cause a tremendous amount of stress or potentially PTSD. There's other things that they could be going through. So I think it's really critical for people who aren't veterans to step up and to fill this role in the community because just get it just makes our numbers that much stronger. And I think even in the first podcast where I listened to your interview with Nick, you talked and Nick talked about the goal of having 10,000 watch standards. And so even at being 4,600, that was really encouraging to know that we're almost halfway there. And now it's my mission to help bring others in and, and continue to grow the program. I think the other thing that's really interesting, given if people think about Florida, but Florida is a very geographically diverse location too, right? You have Central Coast, Jacksonville, you have the Panhandle. But, and I think when you and I last talked, Nick, it really was like a Jacksonville program and you were going statewide. 
and, and now obviously you're down in Tampa, Hillsborough County, Orlando. Has it reached statewide with these over 4,000 watt standard? It absolutely has. And actually, if you listen back to that podcast from two years ago, two and a half years ago now, I actually introduced the Firewatch as Northeast Florida's fight to end veteran suicide. And when I introduced it just a few minutes ago, I introduced it now as Florida's fight to end veteran suicide. And so basically what has happened is when we hit about a thousand, maybe 1200 watchstanders, the state of Florida's Department of Veteran Affairs reached out to us and asked us if we could launch statewide. And it had just so happened that we had acquired unique data on the state of Florida and veteran suicides and data by county. So we were able to pinpoint with the Florida Department of Veteran Affairs, if we expanded, here's where the network of washstanders are needed most. And to Ryan's point earlier, Pinellas County and Hillsborough County, the Tampa Bay area, was one of the hotspots in the state. Some other hotspots are out in Southeast Florida and Broward County and Palm Beach County, the Space Coast, and also out in the Panhandle by Pensacola. So we have now engaged on an expansion plan and we have resources and regional programs director named Brianne Brown in the Tampa Bay area and a regional programs director named Henry Angulo down in the Southeast Florida area. And we're starting to staff up their their groups to be able to grow the Watchander network and deliver this community support network in those places where veterans need it most. And I would imagine even in some of those areas you just mentioned, knowing a little bit about Florida as I do, and definitely not as much as both of you, but those are also large militaries, like McDill is in Tampa, the Naval Air Station Pensacola, Eglin Air Force Base is in the Panhandle, Space Coast. This is not just, and again, going back to your point, this isn't just a veteran suicide initiative. This can also support suicide prevention in active serving Guard and Reserve populations. Absolutely. And in fact, in Northeast Florida, where we started, we have pretty close relationships with the base commanders at Naval Air Station Jacksonville and Naval Station Mayport. And last year, we actually did a joint effort with their teams during the month of uh, September for National Suicide Prevention Month, where they ran an on-base campaign about suicide awareness and look for the signs. And we ran an off-base campaign using a lot of the same slogans, a lot of the same material, a lot of the same look and feel. So as that base, that sailor transitioned off the base to home, that carried with them. We ran billboards, we did digital campaign ads, ring fenced in that area. We did it together with the military. The only problem with the military is we can't go on base. So our agreement was we start as soon as the sailors and folks leave off base. And frankly, a lot of what you learn in SAVE, to recognize the signs, ask the question, validate the experience and expedite getting someone help is not just applicable to veterans, it's applicable to citizens writ large. Yeah, absolutely. And we're, and we're talking about the Watchstander program, like everybody sort of knows what it is, right? But, but maybe, Ryan, if you can give us an overview, it doesn't just end with the training. You took the training, you talked about how beneficial it was, but what do you as a Watchstander sort of do? So beyond just trying to engage veterans, if I see them or know that they maybe have served in the past, just trying to have friendly conversations. At the end of the day, I think as human beings, we all love a listening ear, someone who can just come and be solicitous of our well-being. Anytime, if I realize that somebody's a veteran, I take a little extra care with that conversation just because I, you don't know what that person may be going through. Of course, we're hoping that everybody is kind to all people at all times. But I think I'm just, I have a heightened sense of awareness about the fact that this person potentially is a veteran. What kind of struggles might he or she be going through? 
And then the other thing too, beyond just those individual conversations, because unfortunately I do work from home, so I'm not out in about in the world all that much to have those kinds of conversations. But I've been trying to work with Brienne, the regional director here for Central Florida. So she's aware that, hey, if you ever have any kind of opportunity for me to speak about the program, I would love to get in front of people. I was a teacher for nearly 20 years beforehand, very comfortable speaking publicly about important issues. And this is certainly at the very top of this list. That's really where I want to head with the program moving forward is just continue to bring other people on board because we need other watchstanders. And I think that it's important, especially for people who are just like me, that weren't in the military, that that they still want to help veterans however they can. And just to get those people activated, that's my own personal mission right now. Even talking about suicides, a little bit of a, it, it isn't a little bit, it's a very challenging topic. It's a very personal topic. And I'm curious how the Watchstander training for you has enabled you to have those kind of difficult conversations a little easier, maybe. To your point, Dwayne, like it's never an easy conversation. And I think part of what the Watch Standard Program teaches you is just to use that SAVE sort of acronym to, you know, solicit the information from the person because you want to be in a position where we can prevent it. You don't want to be in that intervention stage where the person's right there having that moment. And so I think having that conversation ahead of time is really what helps get us to that place. But it's never an easy one to have. And I think that's probably the most, because I've had suicide even in my own family that wasn't related to military. And that was the first time I ever dealt with that. And just the feelings that anybody gets when you lose a family member to suicide, it's so hard to explain and put into words. That came back 100% when Mike took his own life. And just knowing that the hardest thing for me, especially, is what could I have done differently? And you keep having that go through your head a lot. So I think when it comes to wanting to have those conversations, it's just, you know, to I think the key one, especially in the save, is just validating the experience. Like we can't even understand. I mean, I can empathize all I want. I will never know what that experience was like for that veteran. And so the best thing I can do is validate the experience and try and get that person to a place in the conversation where I can steer him or her toward the resources. Of course, if they're in crisis right then and there, the 988 number is probably the best. But if it's just a matter of resources, the 211 or showing them the governor's resources on the website, there's a lot of other ways to steer the conversation. I don't have the best answer because I haven't had that conversation yet, but I feel fully prepared for it when the time comes. Yeah. And and Nick, as I'm hearing Ryan talk, this idea about prevention versus intervention, everybody thinks that I'm preventing suicide is stopping somebody from dying in the next 48 hours. That's intervention. You're really talking about keeping someone from experiencing a suicidal crisis in the first place. That's it. That's why we always say that our program, our Watchstander program is inspired by CPR. CPR is about both prevention and intervention. And one of the interesting things when they launched CPR back in the 1970s in a test market in the Seattle, Tacoma area, was that there was a lot of skepticism that you're bringing a clinical methodology to the community who are trained in handling that particular health aspect. The way they overcome that is by communicating to people that being able to recognize the signs early and get the people to help fast is a way to seriously prevent people from dying by heart attack and help drop heart disease and heart attack death rates. In the same way, that's what we're trying to do with the Watchstander program is convince people 
community members that you don't have to be a mental health clinician to recognize the signs and ask the question. And you can be very impactful just by asking that question and then directing the veteran to the help they need. And really, we try to simplify the program, just like over time, CPR has simplified theirs, just by saying to watchstanders, hey, if they're showing signs of crisis and you've asked them the question and they are thinking of hurting themselves, direct them to 988 or get them to a mental health counselor fast. If they just are showing early symptoms that could lead to struggles, get them to call 211 or check out our resources guide that we have for the entire state of Florida. That's all we're asking you to do. You can be incredibly impactful just by doing that. So that's what the watch Chandler training is. That's why it's only 30 to 40 minutes, depending on the military or the civilian path you take. And that's why it can be so impactful, both from a prevention and an intervention standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like that idea is that I doing CPR and Ryan, like you said, like I've taken CPR classes, but I've never had to do CPR on someone, but I do feel confident that I would be able to appropriately apply CPR to someone. Now, Nick, one of the things I've always appreciated about Firewatch is how you're taking a data-driven approach to both plan, but also implement action like the Watch Standard Program to make an impact on suicide deaths in Florida. Starting off, how do you see the state of military and veteran suicide deaths in Florida currently? I think it's improving. And if you look at when we launched in 2019, we consider that our baseline year and we use data religiously within the Firewatch. I mean, we use it for two reasons. One, to establish our baseline so we know how we're improving based on our programs and to know where to build our watch center network since you can pinpoint the data by county and even within county by zip code and you know where your hot spots are and your highest risk areas are. You can focus on building your community network there by engaging schools and to train their their staff as washstanders and churches and businesses or other organizations. But from a data perspective, the most recent year of data we have is 2021. And if you look at Northeast Florida, from our baseline year 2019, veteran suicides have dropped 46% over that two-year period, 2020 and 2021. Across the rest of the state of Florida, it's just 4%. And keep in mind that we really didn't start launching. We didn't hire Brianne and Henry for example, until mid-2022. We're hoping that as we build those networks in the other parts of Florida, we'll see in those other areas of Florida the same results we're seeing in Northeast Florida and start bringing the veteran suicide rate down. We haven't seen the VA numbers yet for 2021. I'm expecting when we do get them, they'll be probably have a high correlation with the overall state of Florida down zero to 5%. What it just goes to show is our programs are working and they're not just our programs that are working. Our programs are working in conjunction with the strong military and veteran-friendly community that is Northeast Florida. But there are similar dynamics in these places that we've launched in the Tampa Bay area, for example, and in Pensacola. So we're really optimistic that what we're doing by engaging the community to help us in the effort to get veterans to the help they need is going to drive down the veteran suicide rates. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. It is very hard to say any one particular thing. There's so many different levers to pull. But as you were just talking about, it is a community-based approach. Absolutely. And, and again, and I'm sitting here, I'm listening to you, Ryan. If everybody who might come in contact with a veteran or anyone was as confident and well-versed as you are, I, I think we'd be in a, a really good place. Nick, I'm curious if you're getting a sense that 
Obviously, 988 has launched since we last talked, but is there more conversation around suicide prevention in general, do you think, or, or even maybe military and veteran suicide prevention specifically? Now, we do uh, have that bias. You and I are inside baseball, living and breathing veteran suicide, going to conferences and all that kind of stuff um, in an effort to work together to try to stop it. So am I seeing the level of participation and awareness grow? Yes, dramatically. Now, some of that is clouded by the fact that I am inside baseball. But one really interesting thing, SAMHSA and others notified the CDC of our program. So various folks at SAMHSA have been very interested in Firewatch and what we're doing. And the CDC approached us and asked us if they could help us build a process evaluation of the Watchstander program. We did that in the first half of this year. And what we found out through a survey that we put out that was statistically significant sample size is that about 27% of our watchstanders are actually encountering veterans, asking them if they're doing okay and directing them to resources. So that's 27%. And that was just in the last three months. The question was in the last three months, have you encountered, asked the question and directed veterans to resources. So we have about 4,500 watch, actually 46, 16 right now, watchstanders. So that means that every three months, a thousand watchstanders are referring veterans to the help they need. So we are, our program is acting like a force multiplier. It's working the way it should. And if we all believe the premise that if you can get veterans to the help they need before they slip into crisis, we can help prevent veteran suicide, then we are having a strong downward effect on veteran suicide rates in the areas that we build our network. And I think, Ryan, you're a great example of what Nick's talking about is just taking a course. How we're going to binge watch Netflix longer than it takes to watch this course of training. It is, so if people are curious, why should I do that? What would you tell people who are sort of on the edge about whether or not to take this training? I always just refer to them to the website, thefirewatch.org, because I, that's just I like the few people I've told are actually like former military. So more in the traditional veterans side of it. I haven't had that conversation with some of the people who are just like regular citizens like me. Because I first thought like the first people I wanted to tell them about that I had joined this particular program were my buddies who are also veterans because just knowing the need and they're immediately going to click like, okay, yes, I could get involved with this, even though I'm no longer actively serving. They knew about just the lengths that we went to to get Mike his military funeral and everything else. I think at the end of the day, I always just mention the website and tell people to go check it out and just that it is a very short training to your point, Dwayne. It's less than watching an episode of a Netflix show, right? And you'll learn a lot in the process. They will, the organization will send you a nice, like you get a a wallet card that has all the information right on there. I have a sticker on the car, the the wristband, all of it. You become part of this network. I even have my Firewatch shirt. In fact, this is the one time I do, I try, I have mixed feelings about this because I like to wear this one to the gym. Not that I want to sweat and disrespect it, but I know it's going to... another one, Ryan, as many as you need. <laughs> And it has, people have access to one time some the gym. So this person, I don't know if was a veteran or not, because we didn't get that part of conversation, but basically said, hey, what is this? And I said, oh, this is a, a, an organization you can check out, go to the website, and they help prevent veteran suicides. It's, I like the shirt because it's a conversation starter. It's got a you know, great flag on the back and it has the logo down at the bottom. So this to me is, a, is an, a nice way to signal to people that you're somehow involved with this organization, this important cause. And so I guess I just need to get more of these shirts, Nick, and so I can wear them everywhere. 
No, but I, I like that. I, I mean, the, the passive signaling of this is someone who you can approach and even to the active signaling of, hey, do you need some help? Nick, if folks wanted to find out more, Ryan mentioned the website, but if they want to get involved, if other states, other communities want to do something like what you're doing there in Florida, how could they reach out, get in contact and find out more? The best way is for certain to visit our website at thefirewatch.org. It's important to get the in front of there, thefirewatch.org. There's a contact form in there and it'll go directly to whomever the closest regional programs director is. And I really appreciate everything that Ryan is doing out there, getting the word out, standing watch for veterans. And also, Dwayne, I appreciate you doing this podcast twice now and your and mine association with Psych Armor. Psych Armor has been a partner of the Firewatches since day one. We couldn't have launched the Watch Standard program without them. They handle the training, save, and for civilians that come through the Military Cultural Affinity Program, 15 thing veterans want you to know. And the Firewatch has been with us since Watch Standard 1 to Watch Standard 4,616, where we are now. And they'll be with us till we hit our goal of 10,000 Watch Standards and eventually expand outside of Florida. They've been a great partner. I appreciate that. They appreciate that. And we'll have you back on the show when you hit 10 grand, right? Whenever that happens, there's an open slot. Thank you both so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much, Dwayne. I would be remiss in not thanking you both for your own service to our country. And I appreciate and any other veteran who is listening to this after the fact. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, Ryan. And thanks, Dwayne, again. Once again, we'd like to thank this week's partner, PsychArmor. PsychArmor is a premier education and learning ecosystem specializing in military culture content. PsychArmor offers an online e-learning laboratory that's free to individual learners, as well as custom training options for organizations. I'm glad to have been able to highlight the efforts of the Firewatch to reduce suicide in the military and veteran population in Florida. It's necessary, of course, because as many of us know, it is a persistent and tragic situation. But as a colleague of mine often mentions, Service member veteran and military family suicide is a national problem with a local solution. The work must be done in communities by the community members in those communities. That's what I appreciate about the Firewatch's approach. It's scalable statewide, but adaptable to particular communities, as you heard during our conversation. One thing that I'd like to bring up that Nick touched on, but we really didn't explain during the conversation, the partnership with PsychArmor that he was referring to and the trainings that Ryan took we're part of a partnership where PsychArmor provides the training and Firewatch provides the local connection. This is an example of an organization that has taken the courses that are offered by PsychArmor and applied them in a systematic way, not just to spread the word about suicide prevention, but also to take action, to prepare community members to be in the right place and to have the right conversations when people might need support. Like many other organizations that have partnered with PsychArmor, the Firewatch has taken PsychArmor courses and applied them in a way that works for them in order to achieve their goals. A great example of cross-organization collaboration. No single organization is going to make a difference, either nationally or locally. It's a coalition of passionate partners, collaboratively engaged, appropriately organized and resourced, that is ultimately going to make the greatest impact. The other point that I'd like to make is how much I appreciate Ryan joining the show to provide his perspective, and how he made it a point to identify himself as a citizen watchstander. Someone who had never served in the military, but has a desire to be engaged in the effort to reduce suicide in the military-affiliated population. This is not something that only veterans can or should be involved in. It takes all of us. And military and veteran suicide is not just a military and veteran issue. 
Research indicates that each death by suicide impacts over 100 people to a greater or lesser degree. And if a veteran dies by suicide, it's not just the military and veteran population that are impacted, as evidenced by Ryan's own story. But it goes beyond that as well. Ryan's involvement in the Firewatch program gives him the experience to not just to be able to have difficult conversations and provide support for the veterans in his life or who he may come in contact with. It makes him that much more prepared to support anyone who may be experiencing or at risk for a suicidal crisis, veteran or not. That's another thing that I appreciate about those working to develop suicide prevention programs for service members and veterans. If we can make a difference in this identifiable, close-knit, and let's be honest, difficult-to-engage population, then we can apply those lessons to other populations who are also identifiable, close-knit, and difficult-to-engage with messages about mental health, wellness, suicide prevention, and having difficult conversations. The community-based, education-driven programs for service members and veterans can be applied to youth or the LGBTQ community or professional athletes or the construction industry. If we can demonstrate the effectiveness of these programs here, we can truly start to make a difference everywhere. So I appreciate Nick and Ryan and all of their colleagues in the Firewatch program. We will be excited to see what will happen when they reach 10,000 trained watchstanders and beyond. So I hope you appreciated my conversation with Nick and Ryan. If you did, we'd appreciate hearing from you. So if you do have some feedback, let us know. Drop a review in your podcast player of choice or send us an email at info at We're always glad to hear from listeners, both feedback on the show and suggestions for future guests. For this week's PsychArmor Resource of the Week, I'd like to share one of the many PsychArmor courses that support education related to suicide, the PsychArmor course Suicide in Military Members and Veterans. Nationally recognized suicide prevention expert Dr. Craig Bryan provides an overview of military suicide statistics and explains unique factors that may be related to increased rates in military suicide. You can find a link to the course in our show notes. So thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Make sure to take a look at the show notes, which you can find in the podcast app, as well as on the PsychUmer website, psychumer.org forward slash podcast. While you're there, you can find hundreds of online training videos delivered by nationally recognized subject matter experts who are committed to educating the civilian community about military culture. All of these courses are free to individual learners. You wouldn't be listening if you didn't care, and it's that curiosity and passion for supporting service members and their families that we want to encourage and increase. Come back each week for another conversation and make sure to engage with Psychummer on social media to let us know what you thought about the show. I'd like to express special thanks to Operation Encore and Navy Seahawk pilot Jerry Maniscalco for our theme song, Don't Kill the Messenger. This show was produced by Headspace and Timing, and all rights to the show remain reserved by Psycharmor. Much appreciation to the team at Psycharmor that makes the show happen. Carol Turner, Vice President of Strategic Communications, who keeps me on track and is an outstanding guest coordinator. Support and transcripts by Emma Atherall. Feel free to share the show. In fact, we request that you do, but make sure to let folks know where you heard it. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, stay aware, get educated, and be well.